All right, hello everyone. Welcome to The First Ones to Die. We are here today talking about Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. That is right, the second installment in the Knives Out franchise. Today we're going to talk about all of the things Benoit Blanc and this colorful cast of characters here in this Knives Out murder mystery. So are you ready to find out what mysterious things we have in store for you today on today's episode? Well, tune in, grab your beverage, grab a snack, and listen to the first ones to die. Here we go. everyone welcome to the first ones to die podcast and don't worry your podcast or your youtube video is not skipping it is actually me talking again because in fact our lovely jerome is not here this week to do our great intro that he does very well every single week but it's gonna be the two of us today me and alex we're gonna Hold down the fort. That's right, Alex. We we got this, huh? Yeah, we got it. We got it. Yeah, we got this. All right. Welcome, everyone, to The First Ones to Die. Uh, my name is Jonathan. I'm here with my co-host, Alex. Alex, how are you doing? I've had an interesting day. Yeah. And I was waiting to tell you about it when we got on here. Okay, uh, I'm, real quick. I'm, I'm intrigued. Well, it really all started yesterday when I fell down and... Uh, Oh, you can't see it, but I busted my chin up a little bit and my wrist. Oh, you can kind of see the wrist part. <laughs> um, so that was yesterday. And then today, and I'd like to remind everybody, I have ADHD. So sometimes I just do things, not with intention, just happens. Uh, when I was throwing away my trash before work this morning, I accidentally threw my house keys. The dumpster. <laughs> And the fun part of that is that this is the fourth time I have done it. Oh, my. Um, Yeah, the first time was a panic. Second time was like, oh, I kind of know what to do. Third time, uh, I live above a, a little cafe and they helped me out. And the fourth time, I went straight back to them and they were like, hey. And I'm like, can I borrow your step stool again? Luckily, the person there remembered me and i guess you know remember the story and she's like yeah we'll help you out and i'm like cool it's like on top but i just can't reach um so i had to almost walk in my dumpster for my house keys luckily they didn't fall between all the garbage bags it was just resting on top but it was just below my reach um so that was the start of my insane day and it was just stupid stuff at work over and over and <laughs> And then when I was trying to leave work, I couldn't log out or clock out. I couldn't remember my password. And then it's like, oh, I finally remembered it. And it's like, oh, yeah, everything's uh, timed out. So you can't sign out now. So I had to wait another two minutes before I could sign out. And I was like, yeah, it's just one of those days where, like, it's not even, like, bad stuff happening. It's just one stupid thing after another. And I'm just like, and then I went to Fred Meyer and my grocery bag, uh, the handles broke. And that's where I like stood in Fred Meyer with my groceries spilled for a second, just standing, going, <laughs> like the universe was testing me today. 
But yeah, my exciting day was really just digging through the dumpster at fucking six in the morning. And weirdly enough, I was trying to leave early so that I wouldn't be late to work. But luckily, I threw my dumpster, my keys in the dumpster pretty early. So I was able to spend that extra time just fishing them out. I was only five minutes late to work. How have you been, Jonathan? Quick word of advice. Maybe like get a lanyard or something so that you can either put it around you uh, so that you don't throw your keys out or so that when you do, like it'll be more noticeable. I well, I hear them every time they go clunk. Uh, yeah, I need to. I was thinking about one of those like uh, wristbands, the stretchy kind. Uh-huh. I can like put my keys on or something. Yeah, because this is the fourth time, like once or twice. Okay, but like this is the fourth time, and I just was like, and the fact that the woman in the cafe remembered me from last time, like it hits the it hits your pride pretty hard. <laughs> That like, yeah, can you help me fish out my keys from the dumpster again? <laughs> they were just like, yeah, sure. they're very nice people at least. <laughs> um, so that's how my day all started, and it was super fun. Fun. How was how was yours day? How how have you been doing? Hopefully good. better than me. <laughs> good, good. Um, I got a new car today. Um, so that uh is nice. I've I've been enjoying riding around in it. Um, I also saw the uh, Mean Girls musical last night um, with a couple co-workers at the Hollywood Pantages Theater. It's a really nice theater in the heart of Hollywood, um, and it was it was very enjoyable. I laughed a lot, and it was it was fun. Uh, I do want to expose you to everybody that you haven't seen the Mean Girls movie. <laughs> You shouldn't have told me that. I immediately told everybody. I haven't, but know? I've seen the musical and I know the references. That's fair. Like, it is fair to understand the references, especially like, yeah, you don't go here or she doesn't even the go here. fetch. Uh-huh. Stop trying to make fetch happen. It's never going to happen. Or um, you're from Africa. Then why are you white? Or... um. Or that one is Glen really Coco. popular. Oh yeah, the Glen Coco. Glen Coco, that one's really funny to me because you never see their face. And right. It was another thing, and I it was like back in Teen Wolf, they had this one co- character called Greenberg. You never saw his face, but the coach was always yelling at him and was like really mean to him. It was like Greenberg, don't call me. You shouldn't even have my phone number. And I was always like, he's one of like a favorite character, but he's not real, or even in the show. And Glenn Coco neither. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's been part of my week. Good. Little yeah. adventures you have. I'm, like I was telling you earlier, I'm glad you got a, a new car. I need to start looking at that. Because my car is... It's, it's getting me from point A to point B. Not securely. <laughs> Barely. But it is getting... Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah... It wants me to throw its keys in the dumpster. I know it. <laughs> it's holding on for, for, I don't know for what, but it is. <laughs> well, today, I don't know how to transition from that. I was going to say, you know who else is holding on, but I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery is currently out 
and streaming on Netflix. It released a few weeks ago over the Christmas holiday. Uh, Before that, it had been in theaters for a week, a limited engagement run uh, for about a, a month prior. It had been in theaters for about a week. And we are going to talk about it. So this film is, of course, the sequel to the original 2018, I think, was when the first one yeah, came out. Yeah, I think it was 2018. Yeah, 2018. Uh, film starring Daniel Craig, and he returns in this sequel as Benoit Blanc. Also starring uh, Edward Norton, Kate Hudson, Janelle Monet, Dave Bautista, uh, and I just lost the list. Leslie Odom Jr., Catherine Hahn, Jessica Henwick, Madeline Klein, and more. So this film, in this film, a famed Southern detective, Benoit Blanc, travels to Greece for his latest case. So basically, this is your first time listening to one of our episodes. First, we talk about our non-spoiler thoughts, and then we'll give you a warning and then dive deep into all things spoilers. So. Alex, what did you think of this film? I really enjoyed it. I had way more fun with it than I thought I would. Um, And knowing that it's supposed to be a mystery, that there's clues everywhere, and you're supposed to watch out for it, made it more intriguing and more... I got more involved with it. I focused more, because I wanted to figure it out. Because I love... Even though this is part of the movie, um, Ben Juan is not a fan of board games. I love board games like that. Clue has always been one of my favorite games. So, like, doing all that, I was, like, really excited to, like, look for clues. I would definitely do, like, a mystery party or something. <laughs> but I think it was it was a fun movie. Very intriguing. Certain parts, I will say, they were attempting to add mystery. But really, it just led to kind of confusion. And I understand what they were trying to do. You know, throw you off the scent. But it was like, eh, I feel like you're just trying to misdirect, but not very well. Um, but I do like how they, uh, incorporated because it's supposed to be set in 2020 and the pandemic is involved and it is presented there, which is nice. Cause I feel like some movies and shows brush over it and I understand why they're trying to, you know, keep it from reality and everything like that. But 2020, the, the start of the pandemic happened, everything that happened there is very real and I think should, you know, be acknowledged in films as it is part of us now so greatly um but like i said i just i just had fun with it too and it was all very colorful and bright where um i'll go into more details about that later but it was also very colorful and bright because it was in greece it was set in greece and so that was just absolutely beautiful as well i always wanted to go to greece i'm dying to go to greece the water is so blue mm-hmm. it doesn't feel real to me but it's so blue and i love it um, what did you think about the movie? I really enjoyed it. Uh, just like the first one. I, I watched the first one in theaters. I watched this at home. And I had a great experience both times. Uh, I, I you know, it, it's hard to not compare it to the first one, even though it's its own thing, pretty much. Um, but I enjoyed it just as much as I did the first one. I thought Daniel Craig did great. I thought some of the other cast members did excellent as well. Everyone really held their own for the most part, I feel like. And, uh, you know, we'll dive into some of the specific storylines. Um, but I, I I had a fun time watching it. 
And I feel like this, this one was maybe, it threw you off the scent a little bit more versus the, uh, the first one. Uh, the first one was a little more straightforward. This one was more of a mystery within a mystery. So I, uh, I really appreciated that. And I had, I just, I had a good time watching it. Well, yeah, it comes down to the whole, it's a, it's an onion. There are layers. Exactly. Exactly. It's all about the layers. There's more than meets the eye. For sure. Although anytime I think about there's more than meets the eye and there's layers of onions, I do think about Shrek. Ogres are like onions. There's layers to them. Right. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Classic Shrek line. Who? Right. Yes, exactly. I don't know. Shrek and Glass Onion, they go hand in hand. Now, we are going to get into spoilers. So if you want to hop off, go ahead and hop off. But I suggest not, especially since it's on Netflix. You can watch it right now and then come back within two and a half hours and listen to our podcast. So there's no excuse. Okay. So we want to see you back here. We're timing you in two and a half hours. All right, go. Uh, But if you're hopping off for our spoiler section, go ahead and uh, give us a like and subscribe. If you're listening on our podcast platforms, uh, go ahead and give us a, or no, if you're listening to us on YouTube, if you're listening to us on on our podcast platforms, go ahead and give us five stars. But uh, Alex, kind of diving into some of the spoiler aspects of the film, uh, what did you think overall of the story itself? Did you like the story? What did you think of the mystery aspect? What did you think of uh, the twist that we have uh, midway through the film or towards the beginning of the film, actually? I think, um, well, first off, I like how the producers and the directors and even the actors comment that this the movie was created before everything that happened with Elon Musk. And they're trying to trying to like separate themselves. They're like, no, no, this wasn't about Elon Musk. All this stuff happened. Just it came out at this time. Technically, the movie was made way before that. Um, so I think that's super funny. The exposure of you know the dumb billionaire. I like the mystery itself. I thought it was very clever because all of them did have motives. And when I was watching it with my sister, I was telling her, I was like, well, this person has a motive and this person has a motive. But like with Birdie, I was like, she has a motive, but her assistant actually has more of a motive than she does. Because she mentioned how her whole life is Birdie, uh, which is uh, Kate Hudson's character. And she was going, (laughs) I can hear Gibson. Uh, (laughs) She was just going on about how like, go, uh, Birdie is there. Oh, hello, Mr. Gibson, no handsome boy. You just drop him. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and I was like oh and because her phone's taken away Birdie wouldn't be the one seeing the email or anything so I kept trying to find clues within clues but like Benoit said it's actually very s- simple when you objectively take a step back and like look at it as a whole you're like oh okay I can understand why they ended up being the killer this makes more sense and I mean, all of them can perjure themselves, but none of them would actually go that far. One of my favorite characters is uh, Barista. Barista. How do you say his last name? Uh, Dave. Wait. Dave. Uh, Duke. Duke's character, David Barista. Barista. Oh, Dave Batista. Batista. Thank you. I was like Barista. Batista. 
I actually thought his character was hilarious. I know it was like supposed to be misogynistic and those trolls and stuff. But at the beginning of the film, when he's interacting with his mother, I was like dying because she straight up was like, don't talk to me like that. And he's like, I'm sorry. So it's like, that's I was like, I feel like that's a great representation. <laughs> and his girlfriend, Whiskey, was like, yeah, he says a lot of misogynistic things. And eventually I'm going to have to distance myself because I want to go into politics myself. And I was like, you're a smart girl. I like that. Mm-hmm. She knows where she needs to be. Um, But he seemed weirdly like one of those people that be like super loyal to you. And, like, those people can be the worst and the best at the same time. Because it's like, yeah, you're kind of terrible, but you also have my back. So, like, I don't know what to do about that. Right. The character I really didn't like was um, Catherine Catherine Hahn's character, Claire. Uh... She annoyed me so much. And I don't, it was just, I don't think it was Catherine's acting of course she's a very good actress I, I love her often in a lot of stuff but the character seemed and I get it was supposed to be over anxiety kind of crazy woman but also you decided to skip to this vacation leave everything with the politics behind your husband your children everything for two weeks going in the middle of nowhere no cell reception or anything and it's like then you get all crazy and weird and anxiety ridden it's like what did you think was happening? Nothing. Nothing's good going to come from this trip. <laughs> Especially after this man made you, or you perjured yourself for this man. Not going to end well. Yeah, her character wasn't, I feel like, the most fleshed out, probably. Or at least the least out of all of the people yeah. on the cast. She was a crooked politician, and that really isn't, like, a complex character. Especially now, today. Yeah, she could have had a little more to do. I feel like her her storyline, her narrative wasn't necessarily integral to the plot. Yeah, it was like, okay, he's got a politician on his payroll. Absolutely. Nobody is surprised by that. So mm-hmm. um, what it what was like your favorite scene in the movie? You like- I loved the scene where you realize what the actual mystery is. Um, When I, and we warned you, spoiler territory, so don't get mad at me. Don't come in my DMs. Don't at me. When, just to start it, go on. (laughs) When you see Janelle Monae get shot and she's laying in a pool of blood or what you think is a pool of blood. I was like, what? That was it? That was all that we got of Janelle Monet. She said like five lines and then she died. But then you realize that the movie is basically about her. The whole reason why this this story is... We're, we're basically seeing it from her perspective. I thought that reveal was really good. And then going back in time... Seeing and discovering that, uh, what is what is her sister's name? Um, uh, she her name Andy, was Andy. Yeah, is Andy, and her name was is, Helen. That's right, uh, Andy Brandon dis- Helen. Yes, discovering that she was not actually Andy the entire time; it was actually her twin sister Helen. 
that that threw me and I really enjoyed that discovery. One thing that I was thinking throughout the whole thing was like these people didn't realize that she had a twin sister. Like she never brought that up and they never thought, oh, maybe it could be her twin sister. But <laughs> other than that, I stayed with it the entire time. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, I, I, that was, that was probably my favorite scene in the whole thing. I mean, I get to, I like, my sister's my best friend, so that's what, I like talk about her a lot, so everybody knows I have a sister. Um, but I know there are, like, some people who, like, barely mention their siblings at all, so I can kind of see that. But she seemed close to the sister. Maybe not, maybe, maybe... Okay, I'll give I'll give the benefit of the doubt because they had two different accents. Maybe they grew up in two different parts of the country and because of that they weren't close and then she ultimately found out that uh she died so she went on a manhunt and this is honor her honoring her sister. Well, as you recall, Helen lived in Alabama and the sister lived in New York and that's where like the glass onion was, the bar. Um, I think maybe that's why. I mean, I could see that if they're living in two different states and like that's going on, and they did seem to take two different career paths. You know, one was the like shark, for lack of a better term. The other one was more docile, just wanting to help people. You know, help kids. And it's interesting to see her develop into a shark as she portrayed her sister. But then nearing the end, when she's like, "All hope is lost," but at least I can go out with a bang. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite scene definitely had to be with you, Grant, coming out of nowhere. First off, I felt like what they did with Daniel Craig's character in that bathtub scene was very real for 2020. It like it felt like yeah, there were a lot of moments where like we're all going insane, we can't go anywhere, and like then Hugh Grant opens the door with an apron and with like a sour. Everybody, I don't know a person who didn't start a sourdough starter during the pandemic i did not but that's fair i didn't either i couldn't keep it alive i actually tried um i can keep plants alive but not a sourdough starter and i'm really sad because lauren gave me some of her sourdough starter and i killed it (laughs) so nobody trusts me with sourdough starter i try but um anyway i think i love that scene because one it didn't make a big deal out of him being gay, but it allowed the door to be open for it. Mm-hmm. And it like set a very nice scene for domestic life for also older uh, gay gay gentlemen, which you never get to see. You never get to see older gays, unfortunately. So like this was a nice representation and a nice domestic life. And then also when Helen showed up with the broken box, I was like, oh, that was a great way they threw us off because we saw her destroy it. When she first received it. And when they had been talking, um, uh, Daniel Craig's character and Edward Norton's character, Miles Braun, they were like, oh, somebody just reset it and gave it to you. And then really it was Helen bringing this like shattered piece and being like, hey, I need help, which I hadn't thought about that somebody brought a shattered piece and that he kept saying how much he hates childish games. So he wouldn't be very good at figuring them out either to open the box it's true yeah uh that why what did you think his initial reason for being there was 
when he explained, did you did you buy the uh because all we saw basically was somebody's at the door and then the next thing we know, he's in Greece. I really did buy it that they got sent a box because well, I bought it for the first few minutes because the guy did name drop a lot. And automatically before they even got on the boat, uh Catherine uh Han. Catherine, Catherine Hahn, thank you. Catherine Hahn's character is like, hey, I know you. You're that detective who saw the ballerina kid. So he is well known. So I was like, oh, murder mystery part party. He actually wants to like a real detective make it more interesting. Then when he's like, oh yeah, I didn't send you an invite. Um, it just became like more interesting to me. I was like, oh, it made sense that he would be invited. Now he's not. That means that's not good because somebody wants him to come over. Um so I did, I did, I did like how they did that. I really, I did fall for it for a minute because they wanted you to believe that Miles Braun thought of everything, mm-hmm. but really he didn't. What did you think of Miles Braun's character? I thought at first because Edward Norton is a is an interesting one for me. I haven't been necessarily like drawn to his performances in the past. But for this one, I feel like I was. Uh, I felt like he had chemistry with the rest of the castmates, and I could really believe that they had a, a history and had a past. But he was very, and to be as cliche as we're talking about a murder mystery, he was very mysterious. Um, when you think of like, okay, he thinks that, Someone's trying to murder him. Um, and like it ends up getting flipped and turned and reversed um, and everything isn't what it seems. Uh, he's, I still haven't like necessarily cracked exactly what he's all about, but um, I thought Edward Norton played him very well. Uh, I thought he, I don't want to say sympathetic, but he was very, you could like see where he was coming from. He, in like a messed up billionaire kind of like way, um, (laughs) he kind of humanized the billionaire. I don't know if we necessarily need that, but he kind of, he, he did for the purpose of this film, he kind of did. And, um, yeah, I th- I just thought he played him he played him very well. Um Yeah. I like how they had the the stupidity and the genius. Mhm. And how uh Birdie's character was like it's so smart it's it's so stupid it's brilliant and he's like no, it's just stupid. Which that's how I feel about sometimes when people use like really big words. Um unnecessarily because i did work with somebody like that he was a manager and it was back when i was a banquet server and this is like a bunch of young college students mixed with um some staff who barely spoke any english and this dude's using like these giant words unnecessarily and it's like half your staff doesn't speak english very well and the other staff is like doesn't care so who are you trying to impress um and I do, I though I felt a little called out when he's like, oh, he kept making up words all day that weren't real words. 
I kind of do that. But that's because my brain goes faster than my mouth. No. See? My mouth goes faster than my brain. There you so, go. So, like, I, I get these weird words. Um, There's a show that used to be called Beyond Belief, Fact or Fiction. And I actually, and I still call it to this day, I call it Beyond Belief, Victor Faction. <sighs> yeah. And, like, no <sighs> matter what. Faction. It, Victor Faction. So, I felt, a, like, a little called out. I'm like, oh, that's stupid. I just can't talk sometimes. <laughs> but I get what he was saying where it's, like, in this moment... I, I'll call myself out when I do that. I'm just like, yeah, I think I meant this word, but I'm not sure. Uh, but I did like how he's like, he kept misusing words all the time. And I kind of rewatched a couple of scenes and that first scene on the beach, Daniel Craig characters in the back and he's making these faces when the guy's talking, he's like, let's intake or in breathe or something. In I forget what it was. The word was said. And you just see Daniel Craig's character go <laughs> like, the hell are you saying i also like how they hid his kind of the his lack of it wasn't necessarily lack of intelligence but lack of common sense mm. like having that he he rented he got on loan the mona lisa one of the most famous paintings in the world and there is a kill switch to protect it and instead of understanding hey there's a, a switch to protect us he creates another thing to override it which puts it at an insane amount of risk and so it's like it's those little things that are like it almost seems cunning and like oh you're devious but it's more like no wait that's actually really stupid that's a world famous painting you're renting it from the louvre and it's going to be worth it's worth more than everything you've ever owned so like, no, that's a stupid idea. And same with his uh Banksy pier, because he built it below sea level. And they're like, yeah, it's a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and it likes and it's like since when is the Lou like just rent out <laughs> uh their paintings? Since when? Apparently since the pandemic. <laughs> I wouldn't know. Uh, if you can see from my art wall, it's not exactly things that belong in the Louvre. <laughs> so, uh, I wouldn't know how that works. <laughs> Maybe that one. I like that one a lot. Okay. My sister painted that one. For me. Uh... Um, but yeah, it's, it was just like little things like that, that they showed the, and it didn't feel like it was necessarily stupidity. But his like lack of common sense or his desire almost to try to trick everybody. I guess that's what it was. He wanted to trick everybody. And that was into either thinking he was smarter, cunning, or that, you know, I really can do all this when really he can't. He can barely do anything. Right. And yeah. But I so my favorite character doing that whole movie was Daniel Craig's character. Because they allowed him to be a little more flamboyant, which I absolutely love. Daniel Craig um, in comedy is fantastic. Yeah. Every time I see him now in like a comedy film, I know it's going to be good. He has. I like that he's moved away from serious acting in a way. I'm like, I feel like you're reaching your full potential, man. This is this is great. I love it. Like, I remember when he was on SNL, he killed it. He was doing he's great. 
yeah, he's such a funny guy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's like, he's like, oh, yeah, no, this is more fun or like what. But I hope he continues to do it. I hope Daniel Craig moves forward with with being in comedy because it's just. I, I love that scene where he's smoking in the garden and the alarms go off. They're like, no, smoking in the garden. And so he throws a cigar in the water and then it's like, keep our waters clean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, that's great. I love it. Yeah. It scared him so bad. <laughs> uh, so getting into some of the meat of the story, we have all of these rich, well-off people who get invited to this private island in Greece owned by Edward Norton's character, Miles, who is a billionaire. Uh, many people have noted the comparison uh, or um, uh, kind of inspiration of uh, Elon Musk, a relevant current figure in today's society, also a billionaire. And uh, they get invited to this murder mystery. Uh, Edward Norton's character, Miles, is going to, quote unquote, die. He's going to get killed. He's going to get murdered. Um, and they all, it's, it's supposed to be a part of the game. Benoit, Benoit Blanc, he's invited somehow. Edward Norton's character is like, why the hell are you here? And then Benoit Blanc is like, I got an invite. Did you not want me to come? I'm sorry. And Edward Norton is like, yeah, oh, whatever. Yeah, it's cool. You can help solve the mystery. Daniel Craig, he solves the mystery in two seconds. But then the real mystery happens. Dave Batista, he ends up getting killed. And so then you think as the viewer that that is the mystery. But no, that's not the mystery. It's just a distraction to the actual mystery, which is who killed Andy, Helen's sister. And Helen is playing Andy in this murder mystery, but she's not telling anybody that she actually is Helen, her twin sister. So then uh, somebody tries to shoot at Helen, but then they miss. Helen's still alive. And they trying to figure out who killed Andy and who's trying to kill Helen. <sighs> I'm going to correct you really quick. They didn't miss her. They shot her here, they but it was her. a no bug. They missed, they missed the, the part that they were aiming at. Okay, they didn't miss, but they. I get no. I get what you're saying. They did technically miss her because they ended up hitting uh, one of Andy's notebooks, which Helen was carrying in her jacket, so that she can kind of figure out what everybody was talking about and all that. Um, yes, th- those are the layers. It really comes down to who killed Andy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you didn't think about how much or. Nobody really thought about, like, who invited Daniel Craig. They started just trying to figure out right away who was trying to kill this guy. hmm And it did bring that comparison of Knives Out, where Chris Evans' character invited Benoit Blanc- Blanc's character, or Benoit Blanc, to there to make it seem like, to set up these steps to make it seem like uh, the main character had 
been the one to murder the grandfather. And it almost had that same vibe with like, okay, somebody brought him here to try to lead him to this person or somebody new, which kind of made you almost think like, oh, maybe it was, um, I always, I already forget their name. Claire, the politician and Lionel, the scientist may have teamed up, but one of them was, you know, I feel like it would have been Lionel if anybody to like rat everybody out because he still had this weird integrity about how when after he showed him that uh what was the gas fault what was the the what basically was a helium bomb oh um, clarity mm-hmm. uh he still ha- was has even though he was kind of like oh i'm gonna sign off at it he's like it's still not ready to be tested and then he still seemed like he almost had some integrity where he was worried about the safety of people and this clarity mm-hmm. um Claire didn't seem like she had any integrity at all. She really was just like screw it all. Yep. Yep. I I initially thought going into it when he was like, I'm hosting this murder mystery party. Ha ha ha. Fun and games. I'm going to get murdered. Ha ha ha. I thought that he was actually going to get murdered and that would have been the mystery. But that was probably too straightforward. I thought he was already dead. I so what what my what my first assumptions going because I didn't watch any previews I didn't what read anything about it other than like well that was afterwards I thought he sent out these things after he died oh so they were gonna come to the island to yeah solve the solve the mystery of how he died yeah and him being like hey one of these people killed me and I know one of them killed me but now I invited everybody and the detective. So that's initially where I thought the story was going. And then when he was alive and we're like, welcome to my murder mystery party. I was like, oh, the actual murder mystery party. There is something actually I thought I thought about this after I saw a post online and I wanted to bring it up. Um, When they're about to get on the boat, everybody's wearing a mask and stuff. But the type of mask they're wearing really shows like who they are as a person. Like Daniel Craig's character is wearing a a face mask that's a cloth, but it's put up properly and it kind of matches his outfit, sh- showing his coordination, everything. Uh, Lionel character, who's a scientist, has his double mask, and he, one of them is the N95. Claire character, the politician, has a mask on, it, but it's uh, adjustable straps, but the straps are loose and the face mask is loose. So it's clearly showing she's like, she's not taking it that seriously and everything like that. Birdie wears that mask that I think it was Lana Del, Del Rey wore. Oh, yeah. With the yeah. holes. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, which goes to Birdie's character who does nothing but racist tweets. Mm-hmm. And then Birdie Batista but, is not wearing a mask, you. right? He's not wearing it all. And then mask his at girlfriend all. is not And the amount of times they shoot <laughs> guns into the air. I laughed harder than I should have every time that happened. I don't know why that tickled me so much. But I was like, that feels fitting to them. Mm-hmm. I think the characters, other than like Claire and Lionel, kind of got brushed aside. The other characters felt very real. Like, I feel like these are two people, like Birdie and what was his character's name? Duke. Were people... I could meet in real life today and right now. Mm. 
Like, I could definitely see them online with everything going on. I can see them online, meet them in person and be like, wow, you're a carbon copy of a glass onion, aren't you? Because everybody's kind of talking about like, yeah, he's he's so much like Elon Musk, Miles. But like these two characters, Bernie and um, Duke, are very real people who, you know, are considered chronically online. Mm-hmm. So I do applaud them for the realistic characters that they created and the, and the assistant uh, Peg who kind of, who like, who was so dedicated to birdie and so panicky. And there are some assistants out there who dedicate them, their lives and souls to these celebrities who are fucking up one time after another. I mean, honestly, look at Kanye's team. The fact that he still has a team. um, And he's missing now too, by the way. Is he still missing? Did you know uh, Kanye is missing? We'll talk. Uh, we'll talk offline. Yeah. Uh, like I said in the previous episode with expectations, if celebrities could calm the fuck down, I just want to enjoy my movie, or at least like, yeah, just like I want to sit down and be like, "Yay, I'm excited for this movie." Oh, by the way, this person talked about eating people. <laughs> Okay, that's going to make it harder to watch. Oh, this person, you know, sent out a racist tweet. I'm like, God damn it. I just want to watch a movie <laughs> without something behind it. Um, But I mean, all the actors in here seem to be chill. Mm-hmm. At least I hope so. <laughs> if uh, something happens, let me know. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. What what scene did you not like? Like, what scene did you think really kind of slowed down the movie? Maybe. Um. Hmm. There wasn't. I don't think for me there wasn't necessarily a scene that slowed down the movie at all. I think it was very well paced. Uh, the movie. I forget how long it actually is, but it went by like fast for me. Um. It didn't feel like it dragged on at all. And two hours and 19 minutes. Yeah. So almost two and a half hours and it didn't feel like it. Uh, it felt like it went by pretty quickly for me. Um, and I think that was because of the different beats in the film. It wasn't just like one overarching plot that you have to get through from point A to point B. But it was like you go to point A then you go to point D, then you go back to point B, then you go to point F, then you go to point C. So it was, it was, you know, it kept you on your toes where it, it, it had different beats. You had the first beat where they all arrive, second beat where it's a murder mystery, the beat where, uh, I was about to say Daniel Kaluuya, Dave Bautista, um, he dies you have the beat where uh, Janelle Monet, her whole plotline begins. So I thought, I thought each each uh, scene and and part of the movie was intentional, and um, I think the humor helped as well. The fact that the humor was balanced out with the mystery aspect uh, was very good. I I did see I was watching um, some interviews with some of the cast when they were doing press for the movie. Uh, and this one person that I watch on YouTube, her name is Sharonda with Pay or Wait. 
Um, and she, it's like a film and TV show, like YouTube channel. She was interviewing some of the cast and she was saying, uh, like, even though this movie is very like kind of lighthearted and funny and jovial, um, these people who are here, a part of this murder mystery, um, they're actually kind of, you actually kind of feel bad for them because they are trying to, um, I guess, like figure out their own purpose. They're kind of lost in society. Like each one of them has their own particular issues where even though they have all of this money, they're clearly kind of broken inside. Um, and it, you kind of feel bad for them uh, in each particular way. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Like with, um, with like Birdie, I keep going back to her because I feel like she's kind of like easier character to point things out for sometimes. Mm-hmm. But when she lost everything when she stopped mo- wasn't able to model anymore and she opened the sweatpants thing and then in the sweatshop that she thought was yeah the sweatshop was a shop and where you she, made sweats and you realize she wasn't as stupid when she was telling her assistant peg like look it's all over i know it's all over and it was that final acceptance she's like i have to just take the statement take the money she's like because it's i there's no coming back from this one which is like, oh, okay, so you're a little more aware than we thought you were. And same with, like, Lionel. He's like, oh, the man's a genius, the man's a genius, blah, blah, blah. You know how he is when he was talking at the beginning. And then when he's at the house and he's like, yeah, this whole place is run by clarity. You can see the fear and panic in his eyes where he kind of acknowledges, like, this man's fucking nuts. He's not. Hi, Cheddar. <laughs> We got an appearance by the top half of Cheddar. Good boy. Um, yeah, it's that whole. You coming to say hi? Now we see his ears. Oh, oh! Now we see the top half, but the other side. He likes to show off his butt the most. I was telling my mom. Oh, she was like, "Yeah, Cheddar won't help you if somebody breaks into a house." Because my my cat before Snowbell, she would she would fight them. I mean, she tried to. Two weeks before she passed, she tried to fight my mom's cat. This, like, two-pound, 21-year-old cat tried to fight a, like, 10-year-old cat. But, like, Cutter, do you mind <laughs> trying to do something? Um, But he, he'll just show the robbers his butt and he's not. There he's a good go. boy. That's all it is. Um, But it was, it was uh, with Lionel, you can see the, where it clicked in his head that, like, oh, shit, I'm working for a madman. This is not going to end well for me or for anybody. You know? And that's Shudder's butt, everybody. <laughs> um, so you can see these moments of realization, same with the politician where she's like, Claire, she's like, I threw everything into this. And she's like, now I'm really screwed. And yeah, there is that like moment because they do humanize him. This is a guy, Lionel's trying to make the world better, who wants to work for... Let's not show everybody your butt, though. <laughs> So sorry, everybody. Um, he wants to make the world a better place, and he can't really do that with the person he's now working with. And with her, she has not only her politics, but she has her whole family, her kids, her husband, everything on the line. I'm going to go ahead and like, you're going to sit down. You don't <laughs> um, 
I know, I should just kick him off the table, but there you go. He'll go on his own eventually. You remember that one time, I think it was during Wonder Woman, every time Jerome was talking, Stubble was just meowing super loud. And I was like, I think I might have to mute my mic. She's just like yelling. There's another time she kept interrupting you. Mm-hmm. See, Cheddar just like screen time. Snowball had to be vocal. Um, yeah, each of the characters, there was a human aspect to them where in this dinner party, you can see they're they're losing everything. Same with uh, Batista's character where he wouldn't get on Alpha News, which I think that's supposed to be like Fox News. Right. Uh, I think that's the joke they were making. Um, and when he realizes he's not going to get on it, he's kind of like, well, everything's going to come crashing down if I can't get more numbers. And they all put so much stock into this man. And it's making you realize like, oh, you guys bet up, really bet on the wrong horse. Mm-hmm. So I could see the sympathy of it. But at the same time, it was all like, you you guys screwed over your friends, to yeah. your friend. And it's like, I, if you screwed over a friend, I immediately no longer trust you. It's like, especially when it comes to something as big as that. But, you know, they were all out for their own, too. Right. Yeah. These selfish people are going to be selfish. And did you realize, I saw some of this discourse on Twitter, too, and I immediately thought it when I saw it in the movie. So... The friends, the friends, I put that in quotes, they weren't willing to say that they saw the note that Andy had made proving that the company was essentially her idea. Yeah. Until after Miles lost everything and his house burned down and exploded. Then they were willing to say, oh, yeah, we're on Andy's side now. Yeah, we saw we saw the note. We're going to, like, F you over in court. And that made me mad. Like, not at the movie, because that was part of that. That was clearly part of the film. And, and, like, that is clearly what those type of people are going to do in that situation. But it made me mad at the fact that that is true about those types of people who will just, they don't care uh, who you are, but they will sell you out and, or become your friend in an instant. If you can benefit them in some sort of way, or if you, or if you lose, or if you don't benefit them anymore, then they're quick to drop you. And I've unfortunately met people like that and I never understood it. It's like, yeah, I, but, like, I do get wanting to surround yourself with people who can, like, make you better and benefit you. Like, I like to think the people I have surrounded myself with now have, you know, given me a lot and made me better, though. Right. Not just, like, advanced stuff. And you're right. that Now that I think about it, I was, at the, originally, I was like, oh, yeah, they're finally going against them right on. But you're right. No, fuck them. They didn't do it. <laughs> Out of the goodness of their heart, they realized because there was a scene earlier, and you're absolutely right. Uh, Helen says, you will lie for a lie, but you won't lie for a truth. Mm-hmm. And you're right. After Speak he lost everything, and yeah, and they're sitting on those steps, they turn him in, and it was like in the moment, you're, you are tricked into thinking, 
oh yeah, good for them. Screw him. But no, you got a point where it's just they did it because he not only lost everything, he's going to lose his company because Clarity uh, that was it a gas? What is yeah, it, it was something. Yeah. It, yeah. It they was said something the that movie. was very, uh, yeah. Science. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, that's going to destroy his company and then he's going to lose millions because he just destroyed the Mona Lisa. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, of course they're not going to stick by his side. No, that's a good, that's like you keep saying, that's a good point. Now I'm, I get, I, I re- originally felt good. Now it's like, fuck them. Okay. Yeah. And I, and, like going back to the friends can benefit you type of thing. Um, oh, sorry, sidetrack. Clear is a hydrogen based alternative fuel. Anyway, I did and, like that and, they described it like, so are you telling me that's the Hindenburg? And right. I was like, oh shit, yeah. <laughs> Hydrogen and hydrogen is, is very like, uh, what's it called? Like flammable. Flammable, yeah, like explosive, whatever. Um, but going back to the uh, going back to the um, uh, friends benefiting pe- other people. Um, yeah, there's there are ways which in which like you can benefit from a friendship. Uh, or any type of relationship, you can benefit like emotionally. You can benefit, uh, f- I don't know, physically. Um, you can benefit uh, just like happiness wise. Um, you can benefit financially sometimes if you're working, if you're doing some sort of like business, or you're uh, or intellectually if you're learning something from a friend. Um, but in I feel like in these in the case of these people, they were only looking to benefit in one way, and that was to make themselves better and more established and more popular and more affluent and uh and it's kind of that that mentality kind of like that that the thing that we see on social media where you have like an influencer. And the only reason they're friends with all of these other influencers is so that they can tag each other in social media and gain more followers and do that sort of thing. It's kind of like that, but without the social media aspect, it's like, you guys aren't really friends. You, if one of you guys, uh, like got wrongly canceled, say you got canceled by the internet, but like there was no reason to it. Like you were falsely canceled. You would probably uh, exile that person and would never speak to them again. Well, it just um, look like, yeah, some of the most popular like bloggers and bloggers, you see that there's a constant, like almost revolving door with the people they have in their like group. Um, and yeah, you're right. It's that whole, who's going to get me more views. Mm-hmm. And who's going to benefit me in my... It was a lot of who's going to benefit me in my career. I also think it shows that he used that benefit to drag them down to his level when he made them perjure themselves in court, too. Like, that's how he benefited from them, but it was, like, in a terrible way. It's like if... With the financial situation, if I asked you for, like, borrow, like, money and then 
never paid you back and you try to be like, hey, I kind of need that money back. Be like, well, I've lent you money in the past. What does it matter? I bought mm-hmm. you that. And it's like, well, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with right now. <laughs> right. The principle of the situation. Yeah. Like you said it was a loan. It's going to be a loan. Maybe we should work it out that way. Right. But no, yeah, I get what you're saying. It's a it's a different type of, of benefit. Mm-hmm. That it has to kind of acknowledge that like you'll always benefit from your friends in hopefully a good way where they make you a better person and this he made them worse and they made him worse by feeding into his um basically nonsense. Yeah. I can't think of a better word for that. Um I mean, friends are in- friends are interesting things. Interesting things. But being friends with people is an interesting thing. It is. It's an interesting concept. It's like, yeah. hey, I like you, but like not romantically. But we're gonna do stuff together. I'll, okay, this is where am I going with this? We're gonna. Ch- you get what I'm saying. We're gonna I get what out. you're saying, but We're I kind of wanted st- you to keep going. Let's see what ha- let's see how far you can go. <laughs> it's kind of nice to not be the one who's like rambling and being like, "I heard it. It doesn't sound great." Because <laughs> I think I said something earlier. And I can't remember now where I'm just like, mm, "That didn't sound appropriate to anybody." So it's kind of nice to have somebody else ramble. Yeah, and make up, <laughs> not make no sense. Uh, no, I, I get what you're saying. And sometimes, like, oh, go ahead. I was like, well, we became friends. I became majority with my friends out here just because I worked in one place. Mm-hmm. And, and it's sometimes, like, yeah, sometimes that like long term exposure to someone, you'll naturally gravitate towards each other. Yeah, definitely. Because, well, like with me and Lauren, we have much different, in, much different in common, different things in common. But like below the surface level, we are very much alike, mm-hmm. and it it's, it's she's just a great friend to have, and I think she's she's been there for moments, and it's it's always a little funny to me where I she's been angry for me because I used to have a little trouble expressing some emotion. I've gotten much better, um, but there were moments she was angry for me, and I thought that was like really sweet because it's like oh. There we go. Yeah, like somebody. Yeah, I should be angry. She's right. <laughs> and situations like that where it's like, yeah, that was a big benefit because it was like a, an emotional benefit where I was like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, she's making sense. I should be angry at what's going on. And like, it's nice to have somebody angry for me, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's that support you have. And there was no support between that friend group other than financial and political. Mm-hmm. And just financial and political, you can't have that basis. Yeah. That's where it ends up. Yeah, I don't understand how would... Claire stayed friends with Duke, though. Trying to mm. run as a politician and then having a friend like Duke. I guess she never associated with him outside. Yeah. And there were multiple moments in the film where she was like, this is, this is going to be scandalous. I can't. This is going to be all over the headlines. Like, ma'am, why would you go to that place if you knew? Well, I guess she didn't necessarily know who was going. No, they said they had gone on trips like this. Oh, yeah, and they called each other. They called each other. 
Yeah. Why? Wait. But so Duke, was it, Duke wasn't on that call, was he? It he was. was just like, he was. He came late. Oh, okay. So how are you as a politician going to try to be friends with Birdie and Duke, who are chronically online characters? Right. That's why I was like... I can see a politician standing behind another politician being like, yeah, but she never really advocated for them. You're She just was like, this is going to be scandalous. And it's like, but these are your, like, you openly chose to be standing next to them and hanging out with them. Exactly. Like, Maybe she thought this is on a Greek island. No one's going to know about this. No one's going to know about this weekend. No one's going to know that I hung out with this uh, misogynist and men's right men's rights activist uh maybe that was her thing and then when stuff started hitting the fan she was like okay there's no way this is not gonna get out if you think about it they're all just stupid yeah no they they thought they thought they didn't think about the consequences of actions and you know, that's a good thing to take from this. Consequences of actions. A lot of people don't think about that. They, I feel like within the last few years, people just act and it's like, oh my God, really? <laughs> this is how you're behaving in public. Cool, cool, right. cool. Uh, I would say that after, for Claire, I would say that after she was at a party in which someone died and they're the person whose party it was their house exploded i would say that she had no chance to uh win that senate seat but literally over the past few years we have seen much worse happen in politics in uh elections so uh literally nothing's off the table she could easily take that senate seat that's why i think that's why i was like I've seen worse politicians than you succeed, so I'm not really worried about Claire. And she kind of annoyed me because while everybody was kind of like trying to figure some stuff out or had like other things going on, she again just went into panic mode and she spent the whole movie crying and going like, oh my God. And it's like, you openly came here. Right. And you're not coming up. Like, for a politician, you're not even coming up with a fake plan or anything. You're just like, oh, no. And it's like, again, you're a politician. You've already done all this illegal shit, and you're not, like, trying to figure out a way out. You're just, like, latching onto Lino. Right. Is this what, when you're in the Senate, is this what's going to happen when something goes wrong and you don't have a plan for something? Are you just going to freak out and scream? (laughs) Although, now that I'm thinking, it might have been... a way to show that the reason she couldn't originally get into politics is because she's not a planner or a good, like, go-getter. She needed somebody else to help her. Mm. Um, what did you think about Lionel's character? We haven't really discussed Yeah, we haven't really talked him. about him. The only um, bl- black person on the island. <laughs> I got worried for him. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Andy no, was. Janelle Monet. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait a minute. Uh... I don't know why. I got more worried about him. I was like, mm, are you coming off the island, sir? <laughs> I think because maybe Janelle Monet's character was so established and, and Leslie Um Jr., his, his character wasn't as... He was more of a secondary character. Um, I didn't think too much of his character. I thought him along with Catherine Hahn, they were probably the least 
characters that I, the least of the characters that I was invested in. It was kind of interesting to see his dynamic with Claire because you saw that one kind of tease where they were at the pool and they were kind of whispering. You end up finding out at the end what they were whispering about. But in that moment, you're thinking, oh, are they responsible for what's about to happen? Or are they responsible for, uh, you know, uh, Andy dying? But... uh, after that, I didn't really pay too much attention to him. I I had most of my eyes on on Helen. He was a, a great character. You're right. Um, those two characters kind of just fell in the background. Mm-hmm. I don't think they had very interesting plots to them. Like I said, crooked politician and a scientist who's just kind of his whole career again was just in miles. Same with like he was kind of like Peg. It's like, I put so much stock into this one individual person that, like, you go down, I get screwed. So you end up building up this person more because you have to explain why you were on their side this entire time through every awful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we do see that one scene. Or, wait. Never mind. I was going to go into something different. Uh, <laughs> I could... <laughs> over... Over... um. Lionel, I kind of was into Whiskey's storyline, even though she was also kind of like a, maybe not even secondary, but like tertiary character. Uh, I liked Whiskey's storyline because she, you know, had distinct relationships with a a few people. She had the relationship with, um, with, uh, I'm forgetting everybody's name, with Duke, Dave Bautista. Uh, she also had that like kind of affair, if you want to call it, with Miles as well, which laid into the uh, this is why someone will want to kill Miles uh, kind of uh, uh, thing. But um, and she also had that moment where she was standing in the room when Helen is like freaking out um, and I think it's when she like she like has the gun or something. I can't remember what. Are you talking about the spear gun? Yes. By yes. the way, yeah, her waving around the spear gun that was pretty badass. Yeah, I love that. Um, I like how that came back into play. Mm-hmm. Um, it it was interesting also how they showed how much she actually did care about Duke. Mm-hmm. She knew about his allergy. She you know kind of did what he asked and. But she also knew, you know, what she kind of wanted in her life. And she had that moment of, or moment of, like, human with uh, Helen slash Andy's character when they were walking. And she admitted, like, you got screwed over. I -hmm. think it was dirty what happened. She's like, I probably am not going to stay much longer. She's like, but I need this right now because this is what I have to do to, unfortunately, survive. And I can kind of get that. Um, Unfortunately, sometimes you have to do what you have to do to survive or try to get the goal but hers she was kind of the same too as them where she was playing dirty she was using duke she was using um miles to get what she wanted even though she was absolutely aware how awful they were Mm -hmm. but i did like whiskey's character i think she was funny and when she was just waving around that spear when she came running in with that spear gun i was like oh shit she's gonna shoot somebody (laughs) She also had that moment when Duke dies and she's 
crying over him. You feel kind of bad for her. Yeah, she was. It, it, I like how they. I liked how they humanized her character. Mm-hmm. Her character was good to humanize. One thing I really did going back to the plot of the story or the tools they use for this story, I really liked how they pointed out that you didn't see what you saw. You saw what you were told. Like, he's like, oh, Duke picked up my drink when really he handed, you know, his drink to Duke. Mm-hmm. No to no scun. Because you ignore little things all the time. And you're like, um, I guess I did see that. I guess I did notice that. Uh, excuse me. Um, I, I loved how they did that. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, because I thought that was very smart because... They didn't. It, they were so used to him just being like, "Oh yeah, this thing happened." Yeah, I guess you're. I guess you're right. And it showed the power he had over them, because he it made wasn't them believe until, that they didn't see something that they actually saw. Yeah, and then that's when Daniel Craig's character. He's like, "Did you actually see him, or did Miles say this?" They're like, "Oh, no, I guess we did see this other thing." Did you hear this, or did you? Did he tell you you heard this? And he's like, oh, you're right. And have you noticed he's been saying the wrong things all the time? They're like, oh, yeah. And I was like, that's really clever. Because I feel that's a another great way to show the manipulation and how he may be stupid. <laughs> but he's still pretty good at manipulating people. And that in its own way is a weird smart or intelligence because you do unfortunately have to be able to read people and understand them and kind of know how to Mm -hmm. so he was weirdly clever in his own way he was stupid but he was i think that's what made his uh character more complex and then the stupid billionaire he was actually clever with the way he manipulated them with the way he did use you know his money and his connections and his point of like, hey, you guys have trusted me so much. Believe what I say. And it's that trust that he kind of forced on them with everything, with everything he was giving them. And then the trial and everything that they automatically were like, yeah, we're just going to fall into line. <clears throat> so I thought that was really clever when they did that. Um, and just a good way to show that technically he is a clever manipulator just stupid in everything else yeah and the desire for control too i gotta stop touching my mic because his character also is is not really about anything other than wanting control i mean he gets a private island for his own you know and he does all these things to make it look impressive and with the mona lisa he does the you know the override and things like that it's absolutely about control and manipulation and you know being able to read people and how to play them and so he was intelligent i don't want to use the word intelligent but he was able to do all that so Mm -hmm. i think that's what gives his character a little more depth a little more layer that he wasn't just stupid and they all fell into line he was purposely doing what he was doing and i think he knew his lack of intelligence but he's like hey i can know these people i can read them really easily so I can I know what I can do. Right. Can't manipulate da- Daniel Craig's character. You can't. He's the final boss. 
looking ahead, because we know there's going to be at least one more film on Netflix. And who knows? This could this could be Daniel Craig's next James Bond. He could do this for seven, eight, nine, ten more I, movies. And I would watch him. Yes. <laughs> uh what would you like to see in the next film? And or more importantly, who would you like to see in the next film? Because we know it's gonna be an all-new cast next time, most likely. I bet it's going to be a different season because they did kind of like the fall in the first one, summer in this one. Mm. So I think maybe they'll probably do a some like a winter or spring. Um, which actually I meant to say this earlier was I love the color difference because of it was fall. Everybody was neutral and oranges and greens. And it was also so beautifully attached to like the family and how they were. Mm hmm. And the the type of colors they would definitely wear. Whereas, you know, this was Greece and it was beautiful and it was summertime and everybody wore really like colors. Um, Even though we saw Lionel originally in a black outfit. And when they had the dinner party, he was in another black outfit. But when he was outside, it was like a really bright and vibrant like bathing suit and things like that. And all of them got to have more pop of color and it went with the season. And I did enjoy that. So I'm hoping... They kind of keep to that imagery where the, you know, the colors do match the season properly. Because I feel like sometimes movies don't do that right. Mm. You know, like when it's wintertime, oh, it's all the Christmas colors. Red and green actually don't go together. That's actually <laughs> a terrible, terrible. And they use like in wintertime because they want the pr- main character or the characters to pop instead against the like snowy and dreary background. It kind of makes it look weird because during the wintertime, all I notice is people like are wearing new calm Colors, darker colors, because that's more comfortable, you know, especially during that season. Right. Um, I don't know who I'd like to see in the next movie. Absolutely, of course, Daniel Craig. He's he's awesome. Um, but I would like maybe not to have the way this movie was entirely set out, where you kind of jump back in the middle of the film. I did like how the original Knives Out kind of went and then you had these like little glimpses of like the little flashbacks here and there. And it wasn't until the end where you got the whole flashback and it being explained. This one kind of was like, okay, here's the main. And then here's the other layer. And then here's the other layer. So it's like, you had to almost, you watch the first part and then they gave you this little explanation. And then you rewatch the whole first part again, Mm. you know, in a way. So I, I would like them to kind of keep the pace and time framing that they had in the original Ives Out. I did, I, again, I loved Glass Onion and I liked how they did it. But um, that little scene where they're like walking around Greece, kind of discussing her journals did take me out a little bit. I was like, okay, can we get back to, you know, the <laughs> island and the mystery and everything? I get the importance of the scene and I knew that it was needed reference and everything like that. But it was also like, you just made me jump all the way back. And now I have to go through it all again because they showed all the scenes where she fell out of character as Andy and she was just a hell in again. So, but what about you? Are you looking for anybody particular in this film or like what uh, are your kind of expectations for the next one? So um, f- you got me thinking with the season thing. I didn't think about that because 
Yeah, the first Knives Out, it was very heavy on the fall aspect. We had, of course, the the famous Chris Evans sweater that he wore in the movie that just blew up the internet. And and then this one obviously takes place in summer, the heat, the tropical weather. So and we thinking, can't ignore Daniel Craig's amazing swimsuit. Yes, exactly. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> one piece. On. Uh, so I'm thinking maybe this next one takes place in the winter. And, uh, you know, a, a little plot just popped in my head. So Ryan Johnson, if you're listening, I'll take 10%. Uh, so Benoit Blanc is traveling home or traveling to somewhere. And much like many of the uh, the flights of, of this past holiday season, his flight gets canceled. He's on Southwest, okay? Southwest. Uh, and Excuse so, you, Spirit. <laughs> Southwest was the one that had all the canceled flights this time. Fair enough. All right, go on. <laughs> I'm sorry, Southwest, if you want to sponsor our podcast, I'll, we can I like Southwest. Out. I often travel Southwest when I go to Chicago. So I'm just saying. I'm, do, you go, do you go in the wintertime, though? I actually haven't been back to Chicago in like four years. When you went, did you go in the winter time? Because Chicago winters be no, because like where the I when I went back to Chicago after living in L.A. for like a year, I went back during the winter time, and I wasn't doing that again. I'm not about the Midwest winters anymore. I'm going to admit I ain't doing that shit no more. <laughs> I've become soft. Go on with your your travel stories. Right. And yet Seattle hits you with the ice storm like a couple weeks ago. (laughs) They're like, okay, you want to move up the Midwest? How about this? And my ass still drove to work in my Beetle. And I got yelled at at work after I told them what kind of car I have. They're like, Alex, you shouldn't be here. And they're like, everybody's going home at noon. You need to leave. And I was like, all right, all right, fine. Fair enough. I'll go home. (laughs) I don't don't mind leaving. Um, (laughs) No, no, sorry. Go, go on with your plot. Um, yes. So he gets stuck. He gets stuck either in the airport with a group of people somehow. Uh, and somebody ends up dying in that group of people that are stuck either at the airport or maybe at the neighboring hotel. They could be in some sort of, I don't know, like Canadian location or if they want to go international again, they could go to a little more of a snowy place. Um, yeah, I'm thinking somebody dies at the airport or somebody dies in a hotel, but then if they're going the hotel route, that could be a little like white lotusy because that's literally the plot of the white lotus. Every season, somebody dies in the hotel. There's these whole bunch of rich people. So maybe not the hotel aspect. Maybe you're in the airport. Uh, things happen at the airport. There's a blackout and everybody's going crazy. Somebody dies. And, uh, yeah, Knives Out 3. That's the plot. Oh, and as for uh, who I'd like to see in it, um, I'm really I'm really liking Anya. On, is it Anya? I think it's Anya. Anya Taylor-Joy. Uh, most notably from The Queen's Gambit. She's also been in a lot of movies lately. Oh, yeah. I yes. Yes. Uh, and, of course, you know I have to say... Kiki Palmer, 
I would love if she was. She would. These movies are hilarious as it is. She would just fit in perfectly in that aspect. I think she would make the because uh, somebody put the two movies had a woman of color. Yes, like, which absolutely love respect, and I just love how he connects with them. Pekiki Palmer could be. I kind of like your idea, but like I was thinking, I was like, oh, what if it's like mid-flight? He's trying to get somewhere, and it's like a fourteen-hour flight. And the murder, he like takes her red eye and the murder happens there. That could be something like too. Time. That could be but something f- as well. Feel like that's, a, like, I feel like I've actually seen a movie like that. So Same. Not. I saw I'm one like, with, I, there's a movie with Liam Neeson. Uh, I think it, it might just be called Plane. Liam Neeson. Huh? Of course it's Liam Neeson. Yep. <laughs> there's a movie with Liam Neeson. I think it's, what is it called? It's called Plane or something. I don't know. Um. But I mean, his last few movies have really just been like one title, so I could see it being <laughs> plain. Yes. Oh, what? What is the movie called? <laughs> but but essentially, uh, essentially, like I don't even remember the plot of the movie. But like, he plays an air marshal, and I think somebody oh, is yeah. trying to stop this like killer on the plane. Um. Now I have to find nonstop. That's what it's called. See? It, fo- it follows an alcoholic ex-NYPD officer turned federal air marshal who must find a killer on an international flight from New York to London after receiving texts saying that someone on board will be executed every 20 minutes until financial documents, f- till financial demands are met. I watched it. It was fun. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun seeing people get murdered, you know, <laughs> ransom. Getting on a plane, trapped. Um, I you know what? That's uh really. I think that's a reason I like Dino Craig's character so much because a lot of characters that are like solving mysteries or you know they're looking for a redemption arc. The alcoholic detective, the alcoholic, you know, PD, the man who wasn't around for his son, blah blah blah, trying to show you I do this one big gesture and it's everything's forgiven. You know, and he gets his ex-wife back and his kid back or something like that. Or, you know, redeems himself. Daniel Craig's character straight out is just out for solving the mystery. And I love that. Because that's like, if if I was, you know, perceptive enough, I would totally be that. Like, mm-hmm. you don't need a redemption arc. You don't need this. You could just enjoy solving the mystery. Mm-hmm. Like I do with, although I don't often play board games anymore. I do get a little intense. Um... But it's that whole, like, just being fun and figuring things out. And I, that's what I think I resonate so much with Daniel Craig's character is just I like the mystery. Mm-hmm. He just likes the mystery. He doesn't he's not an alcoholic. He's not this horrible person trying to figure out how to get his wife and kids back. He has like I think they did confirm it's his husband. Hugh Grant's his husband. I want to yeah, see Hugh I Grant again. Mm-hmm. I would love to see Hugh Grant in the third one. Uh, but again, like the simplicity of it. I don't want it like. Hugh Grant's only one of like the main cast members. I like that whole like he pops in and he's like hi and then pops out. I like that like subtlety of that that marriage going on. Right. Where it's just like, cool, this is like a chill marriage. Nothing dramatic right. is going on. He's trying to make sourdough bread. Right on Hugh Grant. Right he's on. trying to do his thing. Uh what's your rating for this movie? Let's get on to rating. So I will probably give it an A. I said it's on par with the last one. 
The last one, I probably would have given an A if we were doing reviews back then. And this one, since it's on par, I'll give it an A too. I enjoyed the scenery. I I love a good scenery. I'm a sucker for a good uh, cinematic moment. And that I was given in this film. Uh, I felt it was enjoyable. Like I mentioned, it went by fast. And anytime a movie goes by fast for me, that means I usually enjoyed it because if I'm checking my watch every other minute, I'm waiting for it to end. And that is not a good thing. Uh, I thought the cast chemistry was great. You really believed that maybe not, maybe not that they had been friends for all this time, because as we had discussed, the relationship was very superficial. Um, but you could believe that they had known each other for a minute. Um, and yeah, the cast had just had good chemistry, especially between characters like Daniel Craig and Janelle Monet and Edward Norton and Daniel Craig or Edward Norton and, uh, Janelle Monet or Dave Bautista. Uh, yeah, it, it, the inner relationships were, were very good. Uh, I thought the story was fun. I didn't realize that Janelle Monet was essentially like the main character until I watched, but I was happily surprised because I love her. And yeah, overall, I thought it was fun. And anytime. You could have fun with a movie like this and make social commentary like, why do we have these billionaires who are dumb running stuff? You got me. No, yeah, that's it. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, I give this movie an A, too. I really enjoyed it a lot. It was better than I thought it was going to be. I kind of went in with lower expectations because it's a sequel. Um, but it ended up turning out really great, I think. I think they did things really well. And you're right, the scenery was gorgeous. Uh, I enjoyed how the camera never, like, even though it focused on one person at a time, they never zoomed in too close to the face. Right. They allowed the camera to get maybe about here, and you still had the whole background. They made the background important just as much as the character to kind of show where they were. They used everything mm-hmm. that was around them. Um, and I I think everybody's acting was really on point to their character. The characters felt realistic. I think you're right about kind of like that friend thing where it's like they're friends because of time, not like friends, friends anymore. Like I've known you forever. That's kind of why we're still like friends. And I used to know somebody like that until I realized like we actually, because we used to be really close back in like middle school and high school. And after a while, I realized she wasn't a good friend. She wasn't somebody who was helping me be a better me and I really wasn't helping her either. And I kind of was like, I think it's, I think I'm okay with her not being in my life anymore. And I think that has helped me. And I think seeing that when you do keep attached to people that you know are not good for you and like, it will lead you to situations, well, not situations like this, but situations that may put you in a compromising position. So I think that was another great way to show like, Sometimes it is okay to drop the friends you used to have mm-hmm. if they put you in situations that are, you know, can hurt you or are harmful to the people around you or things like that. 
Um, and of course, Daniel Craig's character, I can't tell you how much I loved him, honestly. I think I I so much enjoy that they let him be a little more flamboyant, which added to his character. He was so much more fun, and it felt not that he was less controlled, but it felt like he just got to be a little more like Sherlock Holmes, I guess. Mm. Where he got to be ex- a little more eccentric, and he used to got to be like a little more playful and show how during the pandemic he really got run down, but now here's a moment where that he can enjoy because it's a mystery and it's like exciting, and he can use the skills he feels like you know kind of were wasting away during that time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I get that because like with all what was going on, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, um, there was like that part I said the timeline kind of bothered me, but even still, I give this movie an A, and I would definitely recommend it to like everybody because it's a fun movie. There is commentary about our world, but it is commentary we hear a lot, so it's not like something like oh my god, I can't believe it's it's interesting commentary. You can relate to it pretty easily and. Like I said, everybody's acting is really well done. Who Serena Williams, who was in the yeah, she makes who a was cameo. just in the mirror. Yeah, she's just like, are we like she's listening to everybody and she's like, are you guys working out or no? I thought that was a poster too until she moved. I was like, oh shit, that's a human. <laughs> I thought it was just a picture of her, and I was like, she's reading a book and everything. So the cameos that was it that were in this, like Ethan Hawke, Ethan Hawke. And, um, Jordan, Jor- Gordon, what is his name? Oh, Gordon Ramsay? No, Gordon he- Levitt. Oh, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Joseph Gordon Levitt. I couldn't remember his name. Yeah, Joseph I didn't, Gordon Levitt. He I was the dong noise. Uh huh. I know. And, Which I, was weird. and I didn't realize that until I looked it up. Um, yeah, he, he has made, he has been in every Ryan Johnson film. I, I, I don't know if you knew this, but he has been in every Ryan Johnson film. Um, Including like those little cameos, like where he just makes the dong noise or in like the Star Wars that he directed, he was like some voiceover. It was some voiceover. Oh, I didn't thing. know that either. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. I like once I was actually, honestly, I'm not going to lie. I was waiting for Channing Tatum to pop up. <laughs> I was like, that dude is like, he's taking he, over Ryan Reynolds cameo style going on. Yeah. Cause they both cameoed in uh, Bullet Train. They mm-hmm. both popped up. Right. So I was like, kind of looking at like, Channing Tatum just gonna like hop up somewhere. Is he gonna do a cameo too? But, uh, but yeah, no. Even the cameos were were good, and they didn't take focus away from what was going on either. Right. So I do appreciate that. Sometimes the cameos are like, hey, and then it's just like you didn't need to be in there. That was weird. Why were you there? But they all like Serena Williams was a trainer, so that made sense. And then, except for Josh Gordon Levitt doing the dong noise, <laughs> that was a little weird. Um, but anyway, even the cameos were really good, and just I think it's a fun movie, and you get to you know sharpen your detective skills a little bit if you like those type of things. And I think it, it's something everybody should watch and just you know enjoy. Yes, I agree. So that is our review of Knives of Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. Did you watch the film? You should have because it's on Netflix. And I mean, if you don't have Netflix, then steal somebody's password. Although I heard Netflix is about to start cracking down on that. So um, I like to see them try. Yes. Actually, they're (laughs) probably going to try. So I shouldn't say shit. 
Now I get my Netflix clothes to count. <laughs> anyway. Uh, what did you think of the film? Let us know. Go ahead and give us uh, a comment down below if you're watching us on YouTube. Uh, while you're at it, go ahead and like this video. And if you're listening to us via your favorite podcasting platform, go ahead and give us five stars and a review. It would literally mean the world to us and uh, it would help us out a lot. So, Alex, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Alex and Nobody on Instagram, Twitter, and on TikTok. Although I don't really use Twitter, I just kind of go on there to see what is going on. Every day is more interesting. Um, but you can also find me on the podcast TikTok, The First Ones to Die, where I post little clips, some humorous moments. You can right now see little clips from our last video, The Expectations of jasmine our awesome friend guest starring and her and jerome breaking my heart at the same time it was also me i saw that little compilation yeah i felt like they ganged up on me (laughs) just one after the other yeah i was like i let me be happy um but yeah you can join us there leave comments there or you know ask questions as well as any of our social media platforms uh at the first ones die on instagram twitter and if you want to send us an email at the first ones to die at gmail.com, we'll happily you look over any suggestions you guys have, any reviews you may want us to do or any movies you think, hey, this would just be funny for them to comment on, which, you know, if it has CGI, let us know because Jerome hates every CGI apparently. So it would be great for him to watch terrible CGI. I'd love to hear some comments about that. Mm-hmm. But Jonathan, where are we finding you? You can find me at Jonathan Keys on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you please. Go ahead and follow us at The First Ones to Die on your favorite platforms, on your favorite social media. We are everywhere. Next week, I took a look at the calendar and I forgot that we put this on here, but I'm very excited because we're reviewing James and the Giant Peach. Uh, starting next week, we're going to be in our retro review bag. We're, we're going to be doing uh, some more throwbacks for you guys. So uh, stay tuned because, you know, you've probably seen and or grown up with these films. So, uh, yeah, we're going to take a trip down memory lane for uh, the next few weeks. And uh, it's well, it's going to be fun. I haven't seen Giant. Oh, yeah. Alex, Alex has not that, seen That's James one of the Giant. reasons it was... Uh, apparently it was very popular when we were younger. A lot of people have seen it. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy when I tell our friends that I haven't seen certain movies and they're always like, why? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I didn't know this existed. <laughs> it's a little weird. Isn't it about a plot of a, a little boy going into a giant peach and beating yes. creatures? And I don't remember exactly why he goes into the peach. I remember his, his like guardians are horrible. He's like an orphan or something, or he's raised by his his horrible aunts or something. I don't know. But was this yeah. a Disney film? Uh, was it Disney? Because that would explain it why his guardians are horrible. <laughs> Disney orphans the children and then puts them with horrible family members. <laughs> Who's ever working at Disney has mommy and daddy. Uh, they really need to get that worked out. Yes, it is a Disney. Walt Disney Pictures. They, I don't know who's working at Disney, but y'all need some therapy. And that's okay. Okay, everybody sometimes needs a little. <laughs> and that's the words of wisdom I leave you all with. Yes. 
All right. Well, we will see you all next week. And until then, peace out. Bye. Bye.